You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Well, 10 years ago, I finally convinced my wife to accept the birthday present that she should have gotten at 50, the visit to the proctologist. Or as my uncle called him, the, the rear admiral. <laughs> and so um, she went at 55. And um, I just dropped her off, basically, and said, how soon should I be? And they said about 90 minutes. Because, you know, that's really nothing you want to share. I mean, there's not... <laughs> you understand, there's not a whole lot you do together there. And um, so I went to an Apple store... I was doing some shopping, and I got a phone call, and, it's, and, and uh, the person said, is this Mr. Boquist? I said, yeah. They said, you need to come back right now. I said, okay. She said, right now, come back. I said, oh, okay. Did, did they find, she said, the doctor said, just come back. I said, okay. Well, I get in my car, and I begin to drive, and uh, I'm, I'm just thinking, now, I don't know about human nature, but I know my nature, right? And, and you just, hearing that, you just kind of assume the worst. And uh, I just began to think, what, what do I tell the kids? You know, we're supposed to be in Oklahoma next week. Are we, are we going to be able to go? Is Debbie, does Debbie have cancer? I mean, that's what you're thinking, right? You know, and, and then I thought, you know, she had a little cancer thing on her forehead, and now this, and, and I don't know how it is that, that, me, the over, overweight food addict, have dodged all these bullets and not her. And I'm, I'm wrestling with all of these thoughts when mercifully my little Honda pulls into the parking lot and I rush in and Debbie's sitting there in a, in a wheelchair. I said, I'm here. They said, oh, good. Deb said, I'm ready to go. I said, okay. Well, we need to talk to the doctor. She said, no, I, I, I've, I've talked to him. I said, you did? She said, yeah. I said, did they take some out? She said, yeah, they, they removed something about the size of my pinky finger. Now, he said, it's not, it's not cancer, it's benign. He said, they'll see me in five years. <laughs> I thought to myself, I just worried for 20 minutes for nothing. She said, I'm hungry. <laughs> I said, okay. And we went to Panera's for coffee and some bagels. And, and we drove home, and on the drive home, she fell asleep. And I thought to myself, one of these days, we'll make this drive and the news won't be good. But not today. One of these days, one of us will look into the eyes of the other one and realize that we have a tough battle ahead of us. But not today. One of these days, we're going to have a series of difficult conversations with our children. <laughs> but not today. One of these days, one of us will get the news that one of us is going to go on first to heaven. But not today. So today, I celebrate the greatest gift God has ever given me. That of my sweet Debbie. I share that. And I think of many people in this congregation... I think of Linda Knotts, dear friend who, 
for months has fed Gary. Can't feed himself and help clothe him. She fed him for the last time, I guess on Thursday. He went to be with the Lord on Friday. And I thought of the kind of love that would stay in it, even when sometimes he didn't even recognize her. And just serve and love. I, I do weddings often. And I have a young couple standing in front of me and I make them repeat the vows for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. And I think to myself sometimes, you have no clue what you just said you were going to do. They've seen each other at the best. They've yet to see one another at their worst. But I've watched many of you, Sylvia and Vern and Dale and Judy and Marilyn and so many others. I probably shouldn't have started mentioning names. And what you can teach us about loving for a lifetime and loving in the midst of great pain. Today I want to tackle a topic that isn't tackled very much. For good reason, really. And it's this. Far too many have been broken by divorce. By the scripture we're about to read. If I, I, I won't ask for a so, show of hands, so don't raise your hands. But if I were to, more than half of your hands would go up in answer to this question. How many of you have been affected by divorce? Either you personally or someone in your immediate family. This is a phenomenon that we have to deal with. I want to talk to several groups of people here and will. I want to talk to those who have yet to become married. I want to talk to those um, who are married. I want to talk to those who are married and are struggling right now. I want to talk to those who have been through divorce. And I want to talk to those who are in a second marriage after a divorce. So all that to say is we're going to be here for a couple hours. The Bible puts marriage on such a high plane. The Jewish term for marriage is kiddushin, which means sanctification or consecration. It, it means it, it is used to describe something that has been dedicated to God as his exclusive possession for him to use exclusively. And so marriage is our topic today. Matthew 19 begins this way. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now they're trying to trick Jesus, right? Is it lawful to divorce your wife for any and every reason? Now what they're getting at is a, uh, is a verse in Deuteronomy. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 24. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. And it goes on, but that's the point I wanted. If he finds something indecent in her, 
He can write a certificate of divorce witnessed by one or two other friends, give it to her, and she has no choice but to leave. So the question they're asking Jesus is what's, what's meant here by indecent? Now there's two schools of thought. One was headed by the rabbi Shammai, and he believed in a very strict interpretation that indecency meant sexual immorality. And, and the word has, has that in it. But there was another rabbi, Rabbi Hillel, who had a very loose interpretation of if she doesn't please you and you find her to be indecent. Things like if she spoils your dinner or she goes about with unbound hair or she spoke to men in the streets or she spoke disrespectfully to uh, your parents or she finds no favor in your eyes. Write her a certificate of divorce. Return the dowry and you're free. Now, it's important to note that at this time in Jewish law, women were just a slight, slight notch above property. They couldn't initiate divorce. They had no say in this. If they were divorced, they couldn't object. Now, Jesus doesn't answer this question directly. Instead, he goes into history. He doesn't need to answer their questions. He, he needs to communicate truth, and he does. He says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. These Pharisees came to him, is it lawful for any and every reason? And Jesus comes and says, this is the way it was from the beginning. Let no one separate them. Look what, it, 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 this is what he's talking about in Genesis, the second chapter. The man said, this now Speaking of Eve, this now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and why they become one, and they become one flesh. Jesus is telling them, listen, understand this. Marriage isn't your idea. It's God's idea. And it's designed to be permanent. Now the Pharisees didn't like this answer, so they followed up. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Now the Pharisees are playing really loose here with the facts. <laughs> Why did Moses command? Moses did no such thing. Moses permitted. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. He said, there's not a command here. This is a concession because of your hardness of heart. He permitted it. 
And then he goes a step further. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. And there he sides with Shammai. Says, you know, this is a real strict interpretation. This is what it means to be indecent. But even in that, doesn't require a divorce. He allows it. But many couples are able to find forgiveness. But questions remain. In 2021. What about abuse? What about a woman who is beaten by her husband over and over again? But he's He's um, loyal to her sexually. Does she have to remain? What about cruelty that has her living in fear? What about neglect? There's a, a verse of scripture in Exodus that the Jews also took into account when it came to divorce, and it's this. Uh, he, he talks about a man marrying a woman, but then if he, the man, marries another woman, he must not deprive the first one of her food, clothing, and marital rights. If he does not provide her with these three things, she is free to go without any payment of money. I've had women come to me, and they're always filled with shame and embarrassment. And they said, I, I've been hit for years. Do I have to stay? I say, no. No. The marriage vows are to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and sickness and health. Sexual immorality is one way to destroy those vows. Hitting somebody upside the head for years is another way. And there are other things, right? Now the disciples are listening to this. <laughs> and they say, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. In other words, they're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I've got to love her and I can't hold divorce over her like a club, What control do I have? It'd be better not to marry. The disciples were saying, wait a minute. <laughs> How do I control her if I can't use this? This is a, a tricky topic. It's tricky because as time goes on, divorce becomes more and more prevalent. We don't talk about it much in the church for this reason, I believe. Because to do so, if we're not careful, can make those who've been through divorce feel like last year's pair of tennis shoes, feel like there's something defective about them. So, it's often easier not to, to deal with it. But here's how I want to deal with it. I want to talk to five groups of people. I, I think you'll see 
that divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Now, don't get me wrong. God hates divorce. You do too. In fact, I've yet to marry a couple that stands in front of me where the guy says to me afterwards, boy, you know what? I hope they get three good years out of this marriage. Every couple I marry has every intention to go the distance. But things happen. Sometimes great disobedience happens. Sometimes people are broken. So I want us to talk about and pray with the various groups of people here. The first group are to, the, are to those who have never been married. This is in the future for you, presumably. I want to talk to you. The first thing I want to say to you is pray for your spouse. I began to pray for my wife years before I met Debbie. In fact, Debbie and I became friends. And I told her one day, I'm praying for my spouse. She said, that's a great idea. I think I'll pray for my husband. And for a year, we prayed for one another, not knowing it was one another we were praying for. Pray. Second, don't be in a hurry. If there's something in you that is insecure and you feel like you've got to have a man on your shoulder or a woman on your arm, do some work on that. What's behind that? Don't be in a hurry. I want to tell you, remember, that you marry a family. When you marry somebody, you marry their family as well. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't marry someone who comes from a really poor family. It's just to say, remember that he brings or she brings all of those in and you're going to have to interact with them. I want to say to you, my never married friends, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't finally decide, well, <sighs> Prince Charming isn't coming along. I guess I'll take him. Don't. I see this over and over again today. We're, we're young people who grow up in the church, who know Jesus, and they get tired of waiting, and they don't even get married. They just begin to live with somebody. And I, I, I pop myself in the head, and I think, where did you get that? This is where our culture and the word of God come in direct conflict. That's not a Christian idea. That we would live together? The Christian idea is that when we live together, we are married. We come together in marriage. So, I, I want you to know, my never married friends, that you are in our prayers. In fact, I want you to stand now. And we're going to pray for you. So if you've never been married, would you stand let us pray with you. All right. Father, all throughout this congregation, people are standing, young and old. I pray that in your great grace, you would prepare their hearts for what's next. I pray that you would bring someone into their lives 
that would be a tremendous blessing to them. And I pray that you give them the reserve and the resiliency not to settle, but to stand fast and to trust you. Bless these ones, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a seat. I want to talk to my married friends here. Sometimes in the middle of a marriage, you're so busy making lunches, working two jobs, picking up the laundry, fixing the furnace. The car always has some kind of problem and you're running and running and running and you just don't mean to. You just take your spouse for granted. I want to encourage you to celebrate your spouse. That's why I read that thing early on about one of these days, one of us is going to have to tell the other, but not today, because that was an eye-opening experience for me. And I looked at who God had given me, and I celebrated Debbie. I want you to celebrate your wife. I want you to concentrate on the things that thrill you about them. Now, there's one of two ways we can do this. We can make a list of things that bug the socks off of us about them. Or we can make a list of things that thrill us. Now, if you want to write the list of things that bug your socks off, go ahead. Then buy a parakeet and a birdcage. And line the bottom of the birdcage with that list. <laughs> because here's truth. You're not going to change them. I, I tell married couples, or couples wanting to get married, listen to me. If there's 1% of them that you don't like that you think you're going to change once you get married, give it up. Give it up. <laughs> you know, every one of us have things to celebrate and every one of us has things that make people go... <laughs> You know what they are about your spouse, and your spouse knows what they are about you. Celebrate them. Would you stand, my married friends? My Father in heaven, I pray your blessing upon these who are standing. I pray in the middle of the 95 mile, mile an hour life that we live, that you give them the ability to celebrate one another, to appreciate one another, to enjoy one another. Would they love one another? And would you bless them? I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Now, this next group, I want you to know before I even talk about it, I'm not going to ask you to stand. Because I want to talk to those who are married right now. But this is not a happy time in the marriage. This is a hard time. I want you to know I'm not going to have you stand. Some of you would. Which is noble of you. But unnecessary, I, I don't think we all need to know that. God does. I hope, hopefully, some other people that you're talking with will. I want to say some things to you 
who are married, but right now, right now is hard. And I, I, could, I could spend a lot of time. In fact, most of my two hours is going to be spent right here. <laughs> to some of you, I want to say, would you knock it off? I don't say stuff like that very much, do I? I'm a nice guy. I like to say loving things. But sometimes I just need to say, come on, knock it off. Sometimes I just need to remind you of some things. Here's five things that I think will help you. Number one, Confide only in your spouse. When you begin a conversation with somebody other than your spouse with these words, I want to tell you something, but my wife doesn't know this. I want to tell you something, but I've never told my husband this. I'm telling you, those are dangerous words. Nobody, nobody ought to have access to the privacy of your thoughts that you haven't shared with your spouse. Nobody. Because here's what happens. You begin to create a bond with somebody. Most people don't go looking for some kind of physical affair. They begin with this bonding of the heart by sharing things. You know, I've not shared anything with my wife about this. And they say, oh, that's too bad. And you, you, you bond. And then terrible things happen. That's where problems start. So if you're sharing stuff like that now, be warned. Be warned. Don't do that. Pull back from that. That's about as dangerous as you can get. Second thing I want to tell you, eliminate that word divorce. I I think I've told you in year seven, Debbie and I nearly got divorced. We were in a critical time. We had, we had our second baby, and I was in seminary and working full time, and it was not good. And I didn't realize how bad it was until one day I was in our bedroom, and I feel something go by my head. And I turn around, and a baby bottle explodes on the wall behind me, back when they were made out of glass. I mean, it just missed my head. I thought, the woman's got an arm. We began a series of long conversations. And one of the outcomes of those conversations was, we're going to drop that word. It's not an option. And it has never been since. Drop that word. Third thing is, get some help. There are people with gifts just to listen. You know, sometimes it's as simple as women speak FM and guys listen AM. Women speak FM. They, 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 they've got a, they, they've got a, a you know, FM transmitter. And guys just got an AM radio. And so when the woman's trying to speak, she thinks she's being very articulate, but he's hearing wah, 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 wah. And sometimes when you sit down with somebody, that somebody can say, okay, Joe, let me tell you what she's saying. And she puts it into AM and you say, oh, is that what she's saying? Mary, let me tell you what Joe's saying. 
And he puts it into FM and you can hear it. Get some help. Fourth, change what you can change. How many people can you change in the world? Do you know? One. You can't change him. You can't change her. But you, by the grace and help of God, can change yourself. And there's some issues in you that need to be dealt with. And so you say to God, God, I don't know what he's going to do or she's going to do, but I know I've got some stuff I need to work on. Help me. And you begin to work on it. And you begin to change. And what happens is that, that your spouse sees that, that there's a humility here and you're, you're changing, you're growing it, and it gives them the impetus to do the same. And then you would expect me to say it, but it's true. Prayer does change things. Some of you are in a hard spot right now, but you won't be five years from now. You won't be. Things change. Stay the course. Let me pray with you. Father, I pray for the marriages in this room that right now are in peril. That right now are having a very hard time. I pray for humility. I pray that each member of the couple will realize what it is they can do and do it. That they would be humble. They would stop pointing the finger and deal with what they can deal with. And I pray, Father, in the name of and power of our Savior Jesus, that you would touch those marriages and bring new life to them. I pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. I'm gonna to talk to the divorced. The last thing in the world I want is for people to leave here feeling like, man, I wish I hadn't have gone that morning. I feel bad enough the way it is. Let, let me tell you something. Divorce, like many things, is a sin. And we can be forgiven of it. Now, that's not to say to those we just prayed with, that you're having a hard time, go ahead and get divorced and get remarried and God will forgive you. Yeah, but it's, it's not quite that easy. If you've been divorced, there is forgiveness for you. And he can bring you to a new place where you accept his forgiveness. You learn from the past and you go on. I want to pray for you. So if you've been divorced, you're not remarried, I wonder, would you stand? Everybody bow your head so that we... Not everybody gawking around, but if that's you, would you stand? Let me pray with you. Sure. Father, these are dear people that you desperately love. 
things did not work out the way that they had hoped. Some of them would own the responsibility. Some of them have had more wrong done to them than not. But in any case, I pray that they would know your forgiveness. They would know this is not the unpardonable sin that lasts forever. That though their sins were scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I pray that they would rejoice in your grace and forgiveness. In the name and power of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Then there's one last group of people. That's those who've been remarried. I had a couple come up to me after the first service and they said, you know, you can hit that a little harder. <laughs> they said, uh, both of us were divorced after being married five years, but we've been married to one another for 45. You know, um, second marriages historically have a higher divorce rate than first marriages. And third marriages have a higher divorce rate than second marriages, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you've come before God and received his cleansing, and you decide to move on in faith, you can go the distance. Determine now that this marriage is gonna last. This marriage is gonna go the distance. I can think of several people. I pray with a group of guys every Tuesday morning. A couple of those guys have been through divorce and now have been married more than 30 years. And they talk glowingly about what the Lord has done in their lives. I want that to be true of you as well. So everybody, if you would bow your heads. To those who've been divorced and are now remarried, would you stand and let me pray with you? My Father in heaven, you love the people who are standing. You find great pleasure in them. I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would endue them with power to go the distance. I pray that you would help them stay fresh with one another. They would love one another and give to one another and bring the best out in one another. I pray in the name of Jesus. If everybody would stand now. Believe it or not, that was a difficult message. <laughs> the reason it's difficult is because I tried to touch everybody here and I could have gone deeper on many points and probably will at some point. I want to uphold what God says about marriage. I want those who have not seen that upheld for one reason or another, I want them to know that there's grace and we move on from here. My Father in heaven, 
It is my prayer that the marriages represented by this body of believers would go the distance, would stand the test of eternity's time, would take whatever Satan throws their way and come to you and rely on you for wisdom and power. I pray that you will not allow the enemy of our souls to taunt or tease anyone about anything that's been forgiven. I pray you would do a wonderful thing in the marriages of our church and in the ones to come. Father, help us this week to love as we have been loved and to give as we have been given unto and to forgive as we have been forgiven. May we represent you well in a world much in need of your grace. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.